0: Mm -hmm.
1: I was just going to say, so using the RER, we can, so this respiratory exchange ratio or the respiratory quotient, we can see what you're burning for energy. So whether it's carbohydrates or fat and about what proportion all along the way. So we can see at lower intensities, we can see how many calories you're burning per minute. So from the perspective of fueling endurance athletes, that's huge because then we know how much we need to be replacing. And then if we're burning carbs versus fat, or we know what we're burning, we can, so that's huge for weight loss too, because if we know where your peak fat burning is, we know what intensity you need to work out to most efficiently burn fat.
0: So RER here or uh, respiratory quotient, um, like you were saying, is essentially going to help us look at um, where are they getting most of their energy from, right? Um, so essentially, yeah, what we're looking at with RER or RQ is essentially um, their ability to burn Carbohydrate or their body's burning fat. So you're listening to a conversation that I had with my fellow registered dietitian and sports nutritionist Michael Rayner. He works at a nutrition practice that actually does metabolic testing for athletes, recreational athletes. And I'm really excited to bring this show to you today. When I heard about him, I was really like, Michael, you got to get on my show with me. So I got him on the show and we're going to talk to you about sports nutrition. All right, folks, let's roll it. You're listening to the One Small Bite Podcast with me, your host, David Roscoe. For over a decade, I have built a successful nutrition practice helping thousands of people thrive, nourish their life, and break the cycle of crazy diets. We will take one small bite at a time to transform your health and develop a positive relationship to food. So let's chop the diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Okay, are you ready? Let's do this. All right, really excited to get things started, but before we do, just wanted to let you know this is episode number 25 of the One Small Bite podcast, and this show is brought to you by my nutrition practice, TD Wellness. Go to my website, tdwellness.com, hit make an appointment, or go to contact us, and we'll be happy to set something up. Remember, your insurance is probably going to cover it. All right. Now let's get this episode started. I'm really excited to get things rolling. Here we go. Let's roll it. All right, everybody. Hey, welcome here today. I've got Michael Rayner, registered dietitian nutritionist, just like myself. And, um, I wanted to bring Michael on because, uh, when I found out what he does, I thought, Oh man, what a great opportunity. So what's up, Michael? How's it going? Great. How about you? Yeah, man. Great. Great. Um, so what I'd like for you to do is kind of just talk to us a little bit about what you do, why, uh, why I was really interested in having you on the show, um, what guys will you know, get out of ha- having you on. You know, I think that you bring some really good,
1: interesting stuff. So yeah, man, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so I'm a registered dietitian, sports nutritionist uh, here in the Raleigh area of North Carolina. Uh, so I work at a private practice in Cary um it's called the endurance edge so the way we kind of tell people what we are in like a short pitch because we do so much stuff is we're a comprehensive training center for athletes so we have three sports dietitians on staff we have a massage therapist we have a sports psychologist we have an exercise physiologist um we also offer like uh endurance coaching so we kind of the whole idea is that an athlete can come in here with a goal of what they want to do and we can take care of them the entire time with everything they need to get them to that goal Uh, I'm in a pretty unique position myself. So I've been a dietitian for about two years now. Um, and I'm in a unique position to be fortunate enough to work in private practice. Um, it's pretty hard, especially in sports. If you're looking for jobs in private practice, there's usually like five years experience that they're looking for or required. So I was fortunate to have connections and be able to get into this job. But the other thing that makes my job really unique is that I split my time uh, between nutrition counseling. So I spend probably about half my time nutrition counseling and the other half, I do all of the, the exercise, sweat, metabolic testing in our performance lab. So we have a metabolic cart. I, I get really excited about this piece. A lot of people don't, uh, don't really grasp it maybe as much, or don't think it's cool, but we have the same exact metabolic cart that's used at NASA and the Olympic training center. Okay. No um, kidding. So really, like, Wait, really? Yeah. What does yeah. what
0: that? What does that look like? Paint a picture for what a metabolic testing site is. I mean, what, I I I know I've seen it myself, but I would love for for some of our listeners to just get an idea. So, paint that picture because, of course, we're you know on podcast. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> you got to use your words. You got to um, use your words, yeah, man. <laughs> so we have a treadmill and a trainer set up in a room. Um, so like a stationary trainer that you can like hook your bike to because we work with a lot of cyclists, runners, and triathletes. So really those are the two modalities that someone would want to to do testing on. Um, but then we have, it's literally like a rolling cart. It's got a computer, it's got these like multiple machines on it. Uh, and people wear this big mask, like, I get the the bane jokes a lot from Batman and <laughs> uh, stuff like that. Um, but you wear a mask, and then there's a giant hose that collects that goes to the machine, and we collect all the air that someone breathes out while they do the test, and it gets analyzed.
0: Okay, so uh, uh, just to, to digress a little bit here, you don't get jokes about um, Hannibal Lecter.
1: Yeah. We get that one too. Yeah, that, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's
0: yeah. so what came to mind.
1: <laughs> yeah. We get it. We get a good mix of jokes. Cause it's like, it's such an abnormal thing. Um, I mean, the only people to, to continue to digress, the only people I have that aren't like at all weirded out by it are like first responders. Like I'll have guys that come in that are firefighters or um, military, something like that. And mm. if you come from a profession where you wear a mask, sometimes you're faceless, yeah. but like I, but else, like, wow, this is super weird to wear a mask.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I I had a couple of opportunities or a few opportunities to work in a metabolic testing lab, um, oh. in my in my uh, early early career, kind of like you, but. Um, Georgia Tech and Georgia State, where I did some st- testing there, which was really cool, cool as heck. But uh yeah. so yeah, so you so you got you you have these athletes come in and you, you work with cyclists, runners, and triathletes. Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, so those are really like our cornerstone is is endurance athletes, but we we certainly aren't limited only to endurance athletes. We've had a pretty good string of team athletes through recently, so like soccer players, baseball players, basketball players. Um, all the team sports um, and and what do you I've, what do you
0: think are the differences with um, with the testing between a, the team sport athletes and and you know because triathletes runners and 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 cyclists are all um, individual sports they're not team i mean they are they are teams but they're they're all working indivi- independently
1: right uh yes I mean as far as t- testing, the metabolic testing goes. Um, the big thing there is if someone's from a team sport, we're going to choose a little bit different protocol to more closely replicate the activity they're doing. Uh, so if we're testing like endurance athletes, we'll do just a continuous ramp protocol. So basically it'll just keep getting harder and harder and harder without breaks. Um, if we're doing someone from a team sport, what we try to do is give breaks in between each of those stages where we're collecting data Mm. to give them a little bit of a break to simulate like the repeated sprints that you might get on a soccer field or a basketball court. Oh,
0: fascinating. Um,
1: Okay. Yes. So those, the results from a VO two test. So largely like VO two max is uh, a marker of cardiovascular fitness. Mm -hmm. So definitely applies more to things where you're doing a lot of running or sprinting, stuff like that. Um, But it's definitely applicable to like all the sports. So um, it's, but in some sports like basketball, you're not going to do anything during the game based on those results. Like you're still going to play, like the game dictates the intensity you have to play at, Mm -hmm. but we can apply these results to change the intensity you train at.
0: Mm, Fascinating. Okay. So let's go back to uh, VO2 max. I don't think a lot of people understand what VO2 max is. Um, So, and and that's not true. I mean, there were probably a lot of people that do understand, but uh, can you give us a rundown of what that means? I know you said a little while ago, you've got, People on the agronometers, sorry, those are the bikes or, or the treadmills, and then you have your machine hooked up, and you've got this mass that has a hose, um, and that hose and that mass is, is covering uh, their mouth and their nose, and it, it essentially is reading everything that they're breathing in and everything that they're breathing out. That then gets computed into a computer, right?
1: Yep. So it's a right. big, complicated computer with like a huge algorithm. Um, the guy that actually developed this cart um, was, I think, like a statistician, like a biostatistician, and like so, definitely like a math background. It was all about like the algorithms and stuff and crunching the numbers. So he wasn't like an exercise physiology background. Mm-hmm. And VO two max is what? So VO two max is the maximum volume of oxygen. So that's what the VO piece is: is volume of oxygen. So. The best way I can explain it and and simplify it is when we're working hard, when we're working out, our muscles are using oxygen to work. Like that is a required piece is oxygen consumption. So what we're looking at is how much oxygen you're consuming at a range of intensities. So that's every test we do, we start at an easy intensity and work up to the hardest intensity you can do. And so what we're looking at is how much oxygen your muscles consume along the way. And then there's like a finite amount that you are capable of consuming. That depends on your fitness, your amount of training, all of that stuff. Um, And that's why it's a marker of cardiovascular fitness is because the more fit you are, the higher that number should be.
0: And I would imagine that you see higher numbers in men than you do in women.
1: Yep. So you see higher, higher numbers in men than women, and you'll see higher numbers with endurance athletes than, you know, strength athletes or, or non-athletes.
0: So first of all, why is, why is it that men's VO two max, uh, or endurance is higher than women and then go into why it's higher for endurance athletes versus, um, non-endurance athletes?
1: Yeah. So, uh, great question. Um, with men it's higher because typically we have more lean mass and more muscle mass. Um, and that's what's consuming the oxygen is muscle fat doesn't really consume oxygen during exercise. Mm. So, yeah. um, more muscle is going to be a higher VO two max.
0: And Um, do you guys look at, uh, RQ, which is respiratory quotient quotient?
1: Absolutely. So, um, we call it RER respiratory exchange ratio, but Mm -hmm. it's potato potato. Um, Mm -hmm. so we, we look at that, uh, really closely. That's actually what we use most of the time. So the VO two max number is super cool. It tells you your marker of cardiovascular fitness. So it's like your number is really high. You're pretty fit or your number is pretty good. You're pretty fit. um, so I mean, it's a super cool number, good number to know. But more than that, we're looking at all the data along the way to that number.
0: So I'm re- the reason uh, I'm, so, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs>
1: I was just going to say, so we, using the RER, we can so this respiratory exchange ratio or the respiratory quotient, we can see what you're burning for energy. So whether it's carbohydrates or fat, and about what proportion all along the way. So we can see at lower intensities, we can see how many calories you're burning per minute. So from the perspective of fueling endurance athletes that's huge because then we know how much we need to be replacing and then if we're burning carbs versus fat or we know what we're burning we can so that's huge for weight loss too because if we know where your peak fat burning is we know what intensity you need to work out to most efficiently burn fat
0: so RER here or uh, respiratory quotient um like you were saying is essentially going to help us look at um where are they getting most of their energy from right Um, So essentially, what we're looking at with RER or RQ is essentially um, their ability to burn carbohydrate or their body's burning fat.
1: Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How is that good? How's that bad? So it's actually a great number. We also use it. So we also do resting metabolic rate testing. So that's So a lot of what we've talked about, the VO two max and everything is applicable to exercise. So it's Mm -hmm. figuring out training zones for exercise, figuring out fueling for exercise, but we also do the opposite of that where we do a resting test, which tells us how many calories you burn in a day. So that's huge for, especially our strength athletes who are trying to moderate calories to bulk up, Mm -hmm. cut weight, uh, weight loss clients, any of that thing, any of those things, that's a super helpful test. Um, But we look at it there, too, because then we can see at rest, are we burning carbs? Are we burning fat? And then again, when we do the exercise piece, it tells us what you're burning for energy so we know how to fuel properly.
0: So for your endurance athletes, you're um, offering, how is it different? Let me ask it this way. How is it different? How is the dietary recommendations different from endurance athletes versus strength training or non-endurance athletes?
1: So for non-endurance athletes, most of our recommendations are going to be in the pre and post-workout period, um, because you're not working out super long. Typically, I mean, strength athletes, most of the time you're looking at hour, hour and a half workouts. So if we put some electrolytes in some carbs, like I think Gatorade or some other sports drink, um, that's going to cover most of our bases for during, um, where all of this ties in is more into those endurance activities. So we're looking at two, three, four, five hours plus, um, is where we start to see that the fueling issues become a problem because, uh, glycogen. So the body storage form of carbohydrates, um, start to deplete usually around two to three hours, depending on someone's workload.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and that glycogen stored in the muscle as well as in the liver, Um, so, uh, so talk me through what you think are some of the, um, biggest myths that your male clients have about nutrition.
1: So that actually goes into kind of what we were just talking about. One of the biggest myths that some of my male clients have is that if they, so we, like I said, we get a lot of athletes, but we also get a lot of non-athletes, but I see it a lot with my athletes that want to lose weight. So, um, we work a lot with like middle-aged men, um, So I see guys that, you know, they've got kids, they're busy, they've got careers, they've kind of weights put on a little bit over the years and they just want to lose a little bit of weight. And one of the biggest myths I see is that people are just drinking water during their, their exercise, uh, for like prolonged exercise. So again, this is like the endurance athletes, um, or the really big one is that they're skipping pre and post-workout snacks to try to cut calories and lose weight. And the thing I always tell people is, right around your workout is not the time to cut calories. Cause what that does is like you're burning all these calories while you work out. So your body gets really hungry. Like your muscles are hungry for energy. And so if we don't, don't provide them what they need after a workout, then we're setting ourselves up to overeat later and and not setting ourselves up for success. So I think what I'm
0: hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the myth is I should diet or I should cut calories or not eat. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like a really good synopsis because that's like the bigger overall trend of, of the myth that absolutely is, is in general, people saying I should cut out calories. I should cut out calories. I should skip stuff. And in, in my mind, that's not the solution.
0: All right. So going along with this, I, I cause I do, I mean, you know, when you're saying this, I mean, I'm, I'm 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 hearing echoes in my head with many many <laughs> clients I've had. So yeah. I, I'm nodding, going, oh yeah, boy, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're saying it, it's like I love that that you know we're we the type of work that we do is pretty uh, standard. We see this with a lot of people, and so yeah, one of the reasons why I call my podcast One Small Bite is because. One of the things that I want to try to do is chop that diet mentality. we don't realize that we've got a fuel but but I got a follow up question for you on this all and right. that is um, so you, you're you, you're you're hearing this myth from clients all right, so what are then the barriers that male clients end up facing when you know it's a myth?
1: yeah, so that's a great question and i I kind of thought about that in advance because I felt like you might ask me the, the follow up <laughs> there but um this kind of goes into you had a podcast recently to shamelessly cross promote for you, um, about hypermasculinity. And I
0: think that's, that's, (laughs) That's I really,
1: I really enjoyed that episode because for this reason, I think that's one of the biggest barriers guys face is perceived. And I want to stress the word perceived is perceived societal norms and expectations of them. Um, so a lot of guys, I have a lot of guys, like I said, middle-aged businessmen, they do travel for work. They have, you know, meetings with clients, stuff like that, like dinners, um and one of the biggest pieces of pushback i get is all the other guys are eating steaks and drinking tons of drinks i have to do the same thing or i won't fit in or people will judge me people will make fun of me um and so there's like this perception that guys have to eat terribly and not take care of themselves to be a man and i think that's really one of the biggest barriers we face is that it's deemed unmanly to to prioritize your health and that's ridiculous i mean i think as men i think you can kind of even stick to the same societal like norms and re it in a different way as men, like we're here to support our families and, and be there for them. And I don't necessarily mean like monetarily support them only, but yeah, we're there to, yeah, absolutely. We're there to show up, to be there for them in whatever ways for as long as we possibly can. I mean, the goal is to live as long as possible and be with your family for as long as possible. And so if we shine it in that light and like, why would you not take care? Care of yourself, taking care of yourself is the best way to be around for your family for as long as you possibly can.
0: Yeah. 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 You know, there's several, I mean, several things going through my head in that episode. One of the things that we talked about is, you know, when the guy gets, um, using the hammer and hits their thumb on the hammer and the way they react is an expectation of how a man is supposed to react versus it's not okay to cry. It's, you know, it's not okay to, to, to acknowledge your pain, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, I have a really good uh, dietitian friend, um, Sherry Collins, um, who has a podcast herself as well. She actually had an episode on uh, about um, uh, masculinity and 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 boys and stuff, and I thought it was very interesting because you know a lot of what we end up doing is uh, sort of our shaming our, our 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 boys into eating a certain way, yeah. you know. And I think also in that uh, episode, one of the things that I talk about is how. I went out, I would go out with my guy friends and and I'd be nursing a beer forever and they would make fun of me, you know? (laughs) yeah. uh, So I I think what I'm hearing you say is, is that, um, on one hand, these guys are cutting out calories and correct me if I'm wrong, they're cutting out calories unnecessarily. You're trying to get them to get the food back in, but you're doing it in a different way. Can you talk a little bit about how
1: that process is? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it is kind of like, uh, when you we're given that, uh, summary, it kind of made it clear to me like how conflicted that is because basically yeah, what we're talking about is how we're eating terribly and eating too much at certain times because that's deemed okay. But then like in the back of our minds, we know we should be eating less. And so we just like skip meals that we don't deem important <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I mean, one of the big things that I really work on people with is having like a more positive mindset about the whole thing. Cause I think, and this, this is guys and gals, but largely with the guys, this is like, takes a little bit more work to kind of get through the emotional aspect, um, surrounding this, but having a more positive mindset about it. Cause if we spend all of our time trying to lose weight and be healthier with, I can't have these things. I can't have those things. I can't eat blah, blah, blah. Then it becomes like a very negative environment around food. And we spend a lot of time. thinking about stuff we're not allowed to do which like as human that humans that makes us want to do it more like if i say i can't have this cake i can't have this cake you know what i want that freaking cake (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so i spend a lot of time with people instead focusing on all the things we can have instead of focusing on not having as many drinks focus on trying new vegetables like i mean vegetables are delicious it's just about cooking them the way you like them um so. Yeah, I love that you're saying that. So,
0: I, I, I some of the approaches I take uh, are, hey man, you want that pizza? All right, man, do that pizza with instead of meat lovers, just throw some uh, veggies on it. I know it's not going to be like yeah. the meat lovers. Yeah. Well, all right, have meat lover, but you know, only have one or two slices, and you know, add a salad with that. Which, yeah. Which, which you know, it goes back to what you were saying just a second ago that that having a salad, especially when you're out with the guys, you know, that's not going to be looked at um, nicely because, or not, not
1: nicely. Maybe that's not the right word, but not masculine. We perceive. Yeah. We perceive that people are going to judge us for eating a salad. Yeah. 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 I mean, mean, we can, we all hear, we all know the guys that have said it. And I think that's one of the other barriers is that other guys are, are perpetuating that, you know, I mean, I think as a society, that's something we need to fix that it's like unmanly or uncool to take care of yourself. Cause like, I think that's the coolest thing you can do is take care of yourself.
0: Yeah. All right. So you get this guy that comes in, uh, he's, let's say he's a triathlete and you're uh, you you you're doing uh, the metabolic testing with them. You've got the uh, uh, VO2 max, you've got the RER, you've got the, um, uh, is it RMR or the BMR you guys are doing?
1: That's RMR. RMR. Okay. So
0: again, just to let people know that's rest, uh, resting metabolic rate. And that essentially means what again?
1: So the resting metabolic rate is the best way I can put it to people is that's the amount of calories you burn just to stay alive. Like if you were going to lay on your couch all day and binge Netflix, so if you don't move at all, that's the calories you need to stay alive. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I tell
0: my clients. it's like, if you're laying down flat, that's the amount of calories that your body needs just to keep you going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's always interesting when they see that number, they're like, Whoa, that many?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's the funny thing. That's, I would say one of the other like big myths that guys have is it's that's kind of twofold. Some guys are like that number surprises them how much it is. They're like, wow, I get like I'm allowed to eat a lot more calories than I thought. But then the other piece of that is for a lot of guys it's a lot lower than they think. Like we as guys like have this idea that we can eat 4000 calories a day because Michael Phelps eats 12,000 or whatever. Yeah. yeah right. um, and like if you're sedentary like you're not eating 4000 calories a day and losing weight. <laughs> no, right, exactly. Exactly. All right,
0: so um so you take us through this. They they've done the metabolic testing and then um Uh, and then you're then what after that? Do you guys sit them down or do you sit them down for counseling? And then, like, how, how does that
1: work? How kind of talk us through some of that? Yeah, so we kind of have two different tracks through our business. Um, one of them is like testing, and then they go into coaching. So, our our big coach here is also a dietitian. So she kind of with her coaching clients will tackle both issues. So Mm -hmm. she'll work through nutrition with them, but she's also like giving them workout plans and helping them reach those goals that they have for their sports. Then the other track is people that aren't necessarily as interested in the coaching. And instead they're coming in for all that metabolic testing and even the sweat testing. So we can get a little bit more into that because that one's super cool too, but the sweat testing, metabolic testing, and then they're going into the nutrition track where what they want to focus on here is not, uh, necessarily coaching. It's that they want to focus on the nutrition piece and get that dialed in.
0: And then how many, how many sessions, uh, coaching sessions, um, do you feel, um, uh, it takes, or you usually see where, uh, there's a positive outcome or you're seeing some changes or the client has seen some changes. What would you say?
1: It's tough. I mean, it kind of, so we have like a few different programs, like levels of programs and stuff, but, uh, two of our most popular are all the tests or some of the testing and then two nutrition, two hour long nutrition sessions. And so those programs are truly designed around someone who's got their diet in a good place. They just need to get it dialed in.
0: Yeah. Um, And that, and is that usual? Is that common to see? Um, Okay, go ahead. (laughs)
1: No, (laughs) So it's, it's not super common. So, I mean, like I said, those are like probably two of our most popular, but I think uh, a lot of people need to put in a lot more work on top of that. And I think, um, especially like as, as guys, we tend to have like kind of these like repressed feelings about food. And like, it takes more than two hours to get into a lot of that. And I mean, for a lot of guys, it takes more than two hours to build the trust with me as a practitioner, to be able to open up to me about why they feel a certain way about food or even why they even want to lose weight to begin with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a so
1: tough one. I think we can make surface changes in those two hours for sure. Like, um, so one of the things we do is sweat testing so we can see the, uh, concentration of electrolytes in your sweat. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we know how much you're losing, we know how much we need to replace to make sure that we don't have cramping issues, anything like that. Um so with that, when we have those results, that's like a surface level change that we can make. We need to be taking in this much sodium through this drink and this to make sure that we're not cramping during races. That's like a surface level change, something we can easily implement in just a couple hours. When we start to make those like real profound changes, I think it takes significantly longer. And that's one of those where I encourage people into you know, coming in more often, and, and talking more often, so that we can kind of work through a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah, you, you you guys, you said a little while ago that you have a exercise psychologist, too. So that that should indicate something, I would imagine. Why do you guys have an exercise psychologist?
1: Yeah. So we have a, a sports psychologist who we brought in because the the psychological piece, the mental emotional piece of this is huge. Um, I think that's one of the things through school that no one really ever prepares you for, for counseling people is that most of this is, is not necessarily like regurgitating nutrition information. Like very little of what I do is, is getting into the biochemistry and the metabolism of stuff. It's like, we're talking surface, surface level, like fairly easy changes from the amount of schooling we have, you know, I went to school for seven years for this and I don't apply most of what I learned on a daily basis. What we're talking about is working through emotions and waiting through emotions. It's almost like a counseling session, like therapy to figure out why someone doesn't want to eat vegetables um, or why they feel the need to drink every night, whatever it is. Um, So it's, that the emotional mental piece is such a huge piece of this that we felt it was like an important resource for us to have available to people Um, from a normal nutrition perspective. It's hugely beneficial, but the other piece of that is for sports performance. I mean, you hear about Olympic athletes visualizing their races and stuff, like doing everything they can to get a mental edge. And so that, the other piece of that is, is that, and we see it a lot with people coming back from injury. They're scared to push themselves to their full potential because they're scared of re-injuring. We see that a lot with guys that we kind of like self-regulate to, kind of keep from re-injuring. And then we can use, I had the knee injury in 2012 as an excuse instead of maybe I just didn't put in the work.
0: I'm wondering, do you see um, um, any at all um, or what types of eating disorders um, and in men in particular, do you see it in them?
1: So we specifically Refer help anytime we get eating disorders because that's a really complicated issue. Um, But we definitely look for disordered eating patterns. Um, I I would say it is typically more common in women, but I don't know. So that's like a big debated issue is whether that's like a reporting issue or error. Um, And I think some of that may be because I do see some disordered eating patterns with guys but I think a lot of the times that's stuff that we can address without having to hit higher levels of care. Um, but that's, I think the population I work with, you know, that's, I don't know that's representative of every guy out there, but like I said, like skipping meals and then binging is, I mean, that's disordered eating. That's like not a healthy pattern to be in where you don't eat two meals of the day and then you eat everything you can find for the third. Um, but for a lot of guys, I think that's, more tied to, like I said, like these emotional issues and like the perceived societal norms as opposed to, um, like, uh, body dysmorphia or anything like that with again, but that's what the population that I work with.
0: Yeah. I actually see quite a bit of disordered eating, especially in guys, you know, one of the things that you said about skipping meals, um, and then the concept of body dysmorphia, which means that you're um, you're dissatisfied. You're never happy with your body. You think that you need to lose more weight. You think you need to get. In uh, us guys, um, we have that bigger chest, uh, smaller uh, lower body um, mentality. You know, it, it, it's it's what we think we see in men's magazines, and that's the way I'm supposed to look with those washboard abs and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's like a really big thing to touch on too, is we get a lot, a lot of guys in here that are looking for that. And it's, you know, I mean, is it realistic for you to be 6% body fat when you work 70 hours a week? Probably not. I mean, like if you can only manage to work out two or three days a week, like, is it totally realistic to be super cut and stuff? And I think that's the thing is like, that's okay like not everybody should be 6% body fat, 4% body fat. That's like insane standard for us to hold ourselves to. And like, you know, there's this like joking trend of like the dad bod, but it's like, that's healthy. I mean, if you're like, you've got a little bit of body fat, like you are active, you're healthy and you're doing the right behaviors. So like this kind of comes into just like doing the health promoting behaviors. So are you getting enough water? Are you eating enough? Are you like stopping when you're full, are you eating vegetables? Like all those things, like if you're doing all the things that promote health, maybe it's okay if you're like a little bit heavier than you think or perceive that you should be to be quote, a man.
0: Yeah, again, another, so you're touching on several points of why I started this podcast. Um, I think it's so important. Uh, So one small bite has a lot of connotations to it. One of the things that you're saying there about, you know, um, uh, that, body fat percentage that idea that we have to meet this criteria is crazy and so one small bite means look it is a matter of changing that mindset and understanding that healthy does not mean a six percent body fat um yeah. and if you're if you're an athlete and you've got six percent body fat i wouldn't i wouldn't i would imagine that that's not going to serve you very well very long
1: <laughs> no no absolutely no. not so no.
0: Yeah, because your body is going to need to use some reserves. And if you've got very little reserves, I mean, there's so many metabolic reasons why we're using fat, not just for fuel. You know, there's yeah. cell membranes, there's uh, brain function, hormones, hormones, hormones yeah. insulation. I mean, it just goes on and on. Yeah. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. I mean, I can talk to you until I'm blue in the face about this. I love this stuff. This stuff is really cool. I, I really love when you do... So I met your wife at at a, at a at an event and when she told me what you did I was like dude I got to have Michael on. <laughs> so guess what I think I'm going to have you on again soon but I, I wanna awesome. ask you, I want to ask you a couple of other questions. So um uh, what do you, what is your favorite workout?
1: So uh, much like a lot of guys I enjoy like a good session in the gym like I love a good pump session just like yeah. lifting some weights and stuff but really like I think my absolute favorite workouts are like things that not not traditionally viewed as a workout i mean i love going for a good long hike like my wife and i'll go to the mountains and we'll go hiking for five or six hours at a time um
0: yeah and, and you live in north carolina talk about hiking i mean yeah heck brother you got you got you a hell of a backyard not only that you got the beach on the yeah. other end too <laughs> yeah
1: i mean we're super fortunate my wife and i are definitely super fortunate about that because we're two and a half hours from the beach and four hours from like the good mountains, yeah, like yeah. From national forest so yeah
0: yeah blue ridge uh yeah um uh, smokies i mean yeah all, the appalachian
1: trail and there. i mean yeah and you can get into like the foothills like around winston-salem inside of like two and a half hours so it's i mean two and a half hours either direction and you're hitting mountains or coast and it's i mean it's a great place to live
0: yeah, yeah but yeah.
1: um yeah so i mean like really one of my favorite workouts is is going for hikes or going for walks with my wife and my dog um it's, and I think that's one of the things that kind of goes back to like some big barriers that guys face is, um, we have this perception that like, we have to be all on with nutrition or we have to be working out super hard every day. And it's like, we're neglecting like, just the basic, like life skills of walking and moving around. I mean, that stuff makes like walking every day makes a bigger impact than the three gym sessions that you have a week.
0: Uh, I love it. I can't help but interjecting, right? (laughs) So it's one small bite at a time, right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's really what it is. It's like, and that's, you know, I wanted to tie in the one small bite piece. That's something I thought of in advance, but it really is about breaking it down into small things. Like it doesn't have to be these huge transformational changes. Like everybody's looking for some drastic thing. That's going to be the quick fix, right? And like sadly the key is there's no quick fixes. Like no, 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 <laughs> there's no, not a no. quick fix, but the other piece of that is it's more about the small changes that we make along the way. So being more active, walking a little bit more parking at the back of the parking lot, like small things like that make a huge difference. Same thing with nutrition like having one less drink a week can add up over the weeks the months the years and so it's not like I'm telling people they can't ever drink I'm not yeah. telling everyone I'm not encouraging people to drink because like from a perspective of weight loss or whatever like alcohol isn't conducive with those goals but you know if you are in an, an environment like going back to my example of the businessman who has a lot of client like lunches or whatever mm, like point. if you guys drink that's fine but you know just Exercising a little bit of moderation and having one less drink a week, like I said, adds up over time drastically.
0: Yeah, I had a male client, he um uh would go with his buds, and I remember him telling me, um, yeah, man, I I'm all I'm on about the vodka. And I said, Okay, well there's nothing wrong with vodka. And he said, Man, I can't go less than five drinks. And I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> So yeah. we worked it down little by little. And I'd say over about four or five months, I mean, he was down to one drink every two or three weeks versus five, three or four times a week. Yeah. You know, that right there helped a considerable amount. But I love that you actually answered another question that I was going to ask. <laughs> you know, what's that one piece of nugget or wisdom? That, so that one small approach, I think it's beneficial. All right. So working out, uh, I, I too, I love hitting the gym. But I also love uh, hiking. I go with my buddies. I also used to love doing Aikido quite a bit, but I don't do it anymore because, boy, man, it's falling on the ground all the time. that just
1: after after 150, man, it's just
0: not the same.
1: (laughs) It's hard, too. I mean, the thing I figured out is, like, you know, I'm – pretty fresh in my career you know i'm putting in like weird hours long hours and stuff like it's hard to get to the gym for an hour an hour and a half right but it's yeah. it's easy for me to go out for a 45 minute walk like i can sneak that in somewhere i know I mean, that's all you got to
0: do is put your shoes on and you don't even have to if you already have your sneakers just walk outside boom yeah exactly <laughs> yeah Yeah. We so don't... it's free cheap easy <laughs> yeah right exactly you don't have to pay a gym anything yeah uh, all right so um what's your favorite secret food Is there anything decadent or? (laughs) Uh,
1: So that's actually a really good question. I don't know that I really have like a secret food and that's, I think kind of goes back to what I said about um, like, I don't know that, or I don't feel that there's like good foods, bad foods. And like, I don't feel like we should be hiding foods. You know I mean? Like I'm quick to tell people that like some of my favorite foods are like cookies that my wife makes or like, there's some like really great cakes and stuff around here that, that I like. Um, So, I mean, I'm quick to, to say that those are some of my favorite foods. And I mean, we eat, cookies fairly consistently. I mean, not consistently, pretty regularly. I mean, like probably once a week, my wife makes a small batch of cookies. Um, so like I, I enjoy doing stuff like that, man. It makes like, personally, if I know that I'm gonna have cookies a couple times a week, then it makes it a lot easier for me to like skip lunch, dessert and stuff like that. Right. You you smile, right.
0: You know, one one of the things that you're saying that a lot of, um, the guests that I interviewed on have said is enjoy food. And so this is a trick question. It was a trick question and you passed, brother. (laughs) Uh, There shouldn't be secret foods. I mean, I I enjoy one of my absolute favorite foods. It's pizza. In fact, we had pizza last night and I'm not talking about um, a cauliflower crust pizza. (laughs) This was good old fashioned dough pizza. Yeah. And with mozzarella cheese on it and we put pepperoni on and we also had lots of veggies on the side too. And and so it was really delicious. I enjoyed it. I had a great
1: time. Yeah. I love it. So, Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like, again, it all comes down to moderation with stuff. I mean, if we're doing cookies, three square meals a day, every day, like that starts to be like a problem Like right? that adds up. But I mean, I think that's like the bigger overarching theme here is that it's about moderation. I mean, and that's the thing I tell my clients all the time, like, especially my guys is like, again, it goes back to the all or nothing mentality. Mm. It's like, cake is going to be there. Cookies are going to be there. Ice cream is going to be there. Alcohol is going to be there. It's not realistic to expect yourself to be able to avoid that for the rest of your life. So all you're doing is setting yourself up for failure by trying to. So instead, like, let's find a balance for where you can be in line with your goals and the person that you want to be, but still have that stuff that you want to enjoy. Cause like, I mean, life's pretty short. Like when we think about it, like in the grand scheme of things, life is short. And so are you really going to spend 30 years of your life trying to avoid cake? Or are you just going to have cake every once in a while, enjoy it and then move on with your life?
0: Spot spot on, man. I I love it. I think that's great. That's really really good. All right. So I'm going to wrap up, but I got to ask you uh, a totally off, uh, off the beaten path question here. Um, What, uh, what are your three favorite
1: books? Oh, that's such a good question. That's a hard question for me too. (laughs) I like, I don't know if it's that like hindsight bias kind of thing. Like I remember whatever's closest to me. So yeah. like, if you ask me this in three months, my three books will be probably be different. Right, But what those um, three
0: books you're reading right then and there. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Like what I've read most recently that had like a big impact, but three of my favorites are probably The Power of Habit by Charles Dewing. Oh, so that's that, a good one. Yeah, that yeah. one's a, a, such a good book. And then Atomic Habits by James Clear is up James there as Clear. well. James Clear, I have that one too, yeah. So I'm huge on the habits thing. And that I think really ties into a lot of what we talked about today is it's, I mean, a lot of what we do is about moderation. Like I said, like for, for us guys eating healthy, totally about moderation. And the way we do that is like small steps and turn these things into habits. Like for most of us, we're busy. It's not realistic to expect us to cook three square meals a day at home, all that kind of stuff, but it's building small habits like meal prepping on the weekends or whatever it is that works for you so that we can kind of set ourselves up for success. And again, it takes some focus and it takes some hard work on the front end until it becomes a habit. And then it's just part of our lives. It's part of what we do is taking care of ourselves. Um, but that third book is actually ties a lot into what we talked about today, but I don't know if you follow like the Hollis's Dave and Rachel Hollis.
0: I've heard of them. I don't think I've, uh, followed anything,
1: but yeah, tell me. Yeah. So Dave Hollis just had a new book come out like two days ago, maybe it's called get out of your own way. And I just started and I'm already like super hooked on it. Um, but he talks a lot about like this kind of stuff and how like guys like our mentality and these perceptions that we have for how we should be are actually holding us back and like preventing us from reaching who we could be and showing up for our families and our friends in the best way that we possibly can.
0: Cool. I love it. Hey man, this has been great. This is awesome. I really love the, the nuggets of wisdom there uh, for uh, such a, a young um, dietitian uh, I, I look at you and think, man, we got to get more men in our
1: profession. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm working on it. <laughs> I, I know.
0: I hear you. I hear you, brother. It's, it's, it's same here. Uh, so, man, congratulations where you are in your career. Thank uh, you. I, I I love hearing what you do. Um, I want to have you on maybe again and talk a little bit more about some more sports nutrition stuff. But, um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, cool.
1: Great. For right now, uh, where, where where can people find you? Uh, you guys can find me on our website, theenduranceedge.com. Um, you can also find me on social media, mainly Instagram. Uh, My name is M C Rainer underscore RD. So my first two initials and then my last name underscore RD. And RD Um, stands for registered dietitian. Just don't know. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sneak, sneak peek. Um, that's right. (laughs) So that, and then, um, yeah, that's really like, honestly, the best two places to find me.
0: All right. Cool. Cool. Well, again, this has been great. I really appreciate your time, Michael. And, uh, I hope, uh, I hope some of the listeners have really gotten some good, uh, um, uh, pieces of information and, uh, can't wait to hear some more. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thanks again. Thanks once again to Michael Rayner for agreeing to come on the show and, uh, sharing with us some of his knowledge and some of that expertise that he has working with athletes doing metabolic testing. I hope you got some great pieces of wisdom. I also like that at the end he talked about those small little habits. Love how it just ties into one small bite. I hope you enjoyed this show, and I hope if you enjoy shows like this, yeah, hit me up and let me know what you want to hear. I'm really, really excited to get questions from our listeners and talk about topics that they're interested about. Just want to remind you, please feel free to leave me a comment. Go to my show at onesmallbitenet slash contact. Leave me your questions and your thoughts. And like I said, man, I'd love to get to them and maybe even have you on the show one day. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. So uh, just remember, this show is brought to you by my nutrition practice, tdwellness.com. Go ahead and leave me a comment or if you're interested in setting up an appointment, remember, your insurance will probably cover nutrition consults and we can really talk up your nutrition game. So really excited to hear from you soon and remember, chop that diet mentality fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Okay, folks, until next time, see you soon.